This is the podcast, History's Revisitings, a series of programs on the insights that history can give us on the breaking news of the day. I'm Richard Ryman. This has been an eventful day. It came to light this afternoon that the New York Times has published an anonymous opinion statement by someone inside the Trump White House claims to be part of the resistance to Donald Trump. And the question that many people are asking is, is there any historical precedent to this unprecedented editorial? It's said to be unprecedented, and it really is. There have been historians who have weighed in on this question. Michael Beschloss, for example, said that he can't think of any historical precedents. He mentions that Defense Secretary James Schlesinger, during the last final days of the Nixon administration, uh, released a statement, not in public, but in private to other administration officials, to the effect that if President Nixon ordered tanks to surround the White House, that Defense Secretary Schlesinger would have to weigh in on that decision. And that was considered to be something akin to what happened this afternoon. However, uh, even Michael Beschloss has pointed out that this was just in the waning days of the Nixon administration. It was an attempt to manage an imminent exit. So it doesn't seem to rise to the same level as what you're seeing now. The question is, has there ever been a time when someone inside the administration has protested the stability and morality and competency of the chief executive while still remaining in office? And I think those are the ingredients of the current crisis, those are the factors that one can find very little precedent for in American history. There have been, of course, congressmen who have resigned in protest, or there have been administration figures who have resigned in protest, such as under LBJ protesting the Vietnam War. Another precedent might be considered Daniel Ellsberg, who, who basically uh, stole the Defense Department documents that became known as the Pentagon Papers and released them to the New York Times in order to protest the Vietnam policies of Richard Nixon and, by extension, Lyndon Johnson. That in- incident was a protest against an individual policy, namely Vietnam. It wasn't that Ellsberg was saying that Nixon lacked the basic competence to be president, though he certainly it's certainly true that he questioned uh, Nixon's fidelity to constitutional principles. Anytime you make a comparison to a past president, you're going to find more differences than similarities. That's just the nature of history. But I think one of the perhaps few parallels to our current moment, of course there are differences here too, is the case of Edith Galt Wilson, President Woodrow Wilson's wife, who is supposed to have exercised presidential power in the latter half of Wilson's second term between 1918 and 1921. 1919 and 1921. This was the period when Wilson was fighting hard for his League of Nations. He suffered a stroke in September 1919. He was in office another one and a half years until March of 1921. And supposedly, Edith Wilson was exercising presidential power, signing statements, 
and the like. We don't know that for sure. We do know that Wilson was incapacitated. They didn't have the 25th Amendment then. Had they had the 25th Amendment, there would have been a way to transfer power to the vice president. Since that 25th Amendment did not exist until 1967, the question was, is this a case of someone superseding or someone usurping the powers of the presidency? Well, certainly if Edith Wilson signed presidential documents and legislation, then certainly this would have been an extra-constitutional action. Of course, Edith Wilson was not suggesting that her husband was incapacitated. She was just pretending that he wasn't. So it's not exactly the same as what we're looking at today. And it was kept secret. And, of course, in the case of today's editorial, nothing has been kept secret. It's, it's just unprecedented that somebody would come out into the open and yet remain anonymous, claiming that he is going to stay in the administration, defeating the administration's not there not to defeat the administration's policies, but to prevent the president from going off the rails. And that too is unprecedented. So the question is, what is going on here? Is this what 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 do we make about these unconstitutional actions? Or actually what we should call them are extra constitutional actions. Because to remain in the administration but to work against the president is truly unprecedented, and it, it is certainly not something that's sanctioned by the Constitution. The argument this individual is making is that he has to remain in order to essentially save the country, and he and others like him must remain to prevent the president from doing something cataclysmic resulting in Armageddon. Now, even if you put the best face forward on this suggestion, is, at the very least, an extra-constitutional action. It may not be a violation of the Constitution technically. It's certainly not sanctioned by the Constitution. And one could argue that it is unconstitutional. Of course, that would be up to the Supreme Court. But we are in truly uncharted territory here because I cannot think of a single incident in American history that would rise to the level of this type of thing uh, but that doesn't mean that the person making this claim is not sincere. And perhaps if things are as crazy as he implies, it may be necessary to have extra-constitutional protections. There have been extra-constitutional solutions to constitutional conundrums in the past. One would think of Edith Gulf Wilson trying to help her husband between 1919 and 1921. That was in a case of someone who was not known to the public trying to protect the national interests while serving a president who was basically incapacitated. So that does seem to be something of a parallel to the present moment. If you go back before the 20th century, you're going back to a time when the presidency was a very different thing than it is today. I think it would be unwise to try to seek parallels in that particular period of time. So we are in uncharted territory. We'll have to wait and see what unfolds in the days ahead. It's likely that the president will launch a full court press, try to determine who wrote this editorial. But for the rest of us, for the American people, 
the question is, what is going on, and is the country safe hands at the moment? It's very unlikely that the 25th Amendment will be invoked. It never has been invoked. But one final question that people are asking is, what will the country look like if it is necessary to utilize either the 25th Amendment or impeachment and removal from office in order to save the country from an incompetent or incapacitated president? I think the country would be just fine, and I'll tell you why. Because those constitutional protections are there precisely because there might be an occasion when they have to be used. I think it's better for constitutional safeguards to be invoked to rely on unconstitutional or extra-constitutional behaviors that have no sanction in law. So I do believe that it's likely that if President Trump President Trump has to leave before his term is up. I think he will do so through resignation, maybe only when he sees, like Nixon saw, that the alternative would be impeachment and removal from office. But it's hard to see how a president these days could be removed through the 25th Amendment, even if such a solution should be invoked. I think I can imagine such a situation without calamitous result. It's also hard to see how any president would stick around long enough to not only be impeached, but to be removed from office. So resignation would be a much more attractive option, especially if it follows along with, or if it comes along with, a guarantee that the president would not have to go to jail, sort of what was offered to Spiro Agnew in 1973, and he was allowed to plead Solo contendere, a case of corruption against him, and avoid jail time by resigning the vice presidency. So that's how it seems to me, and this is the first podcast in our series. Thank you for listening to this program. Watch for more episodes in this series. This is Richard Ryman.